Hopefully you're more glad than that, but I'm just... Aren't you glad that for all that God has done for us? Not saved by what we do, not saved by who we are, because, man, most of us, honestly, would have no hope whatsoever. In fact, the truth is, none of us would have any hope whatsoever outside of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm thankful that we, that, we, uh, that we have our hope in him and not in of ourselves, uh, because we fail, and we stumble, and we fall. The Bible says this, and one of my favorite verses is, is found in Psalms. Uh, it was my life verse for many years. And it says, uh, it says uh, Psalms chapter 37, verse 23 and 24, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Praise the Lord. And though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. We all get cast down sometimes. That's, our, that's that flesh, that's that human nature that we battle with, that Paul battled with. But it's God that holds us up. Amen? We're not utterly cast down. Praise the Lord for that. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Luke chapter 8 this morning is where we're going to find ourselves. We've preached out of this chapter uh, not too long ago. But uh, while we were on vacation, and thank you all for praying for us while we were gone, it was, it was man, it was rough. It was 85 degrees. I got sunburned. There was this constant wind blowing off the ocean. I can't lie, it was awesome. <laughs> but we are glad to be home and uh, glad to be with our church family. It's not the same watching online. I, was, I, I do praise the Lord that from 1,700 miles away, I could still be a part of and see the service. But it is not the same. There was sun and there was <laughs> there was ocean, but it, it, it's it's much. While the weather is not as nice, it's much better being around our, our church family, and I am certainly thankful uh, for that. Thankful for the men who filled in for us and uh, filled in for me and, and covered our the, the messages as nervous as they were beforehand. Uh, uh, praise the Lord, and they all did a wonderful job, brother brother James, brother Rich, and uh, brother brother Donnie. On Wednesday evening, I, I, I watched all the other two messages. I, I saw most of Brother Donnie's message, but we were landing on the airplane, and they made me shut everything off before we landed. So I missed the last like two minutes of it, but uh, uh, it was a good message. It was a good message. I, I liked I liked his his one of the phrases he said. He said, "Get your lazy butts out of your lazy boys." Yeah, that was a good one. I like that. It was good. All right, Luke chapter eight. We're going to read verses 23 through 25 again. I'll read it, and uh, then we're going to go to the Lord and ask for God's help, because so the truth is, we need it. Amen? It says, verse 22, Now it came to pass in a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray that the message, this lesson that you were teaching your disciples, Lord, you help us to learn it as well. God, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, empty me of myself, Father. I pray that there, that there would be nothing in me, uh, in my heart or my mind, that, that would hinder this message, Father, but that you would have free reign 
to speak through your word to your people. God, I pray that you would feed us. God, I pray that you would fill us. I pray, God, that you would work in a way that only you can work, Lord, that you might receive all the honor and glory. Lord, I pray, God, uh, that even now, Lord, without me saying anything, that your spirit would begin to, to work in the hearts of your people. Lord, that they might be strengthened, encouraged, challenged, even convicted. But, God, that you would have your way. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This is a, uh, this account of, uh, of this miracle is well known. Uh, uh, they teach about it in Sunday school. There are messages that have been preached on this. It's a very common message or a very common miracle that many people know about. The, the, the storm on, on the water. And, but this was not the first miracle that Jesus performed. When, when I, the first time I began to see the miracles when I was young, reading, reading them and hearing about them in Sunday school, I always wondered, why would Jesus do this? I could understand as a young person why Jesus would, would heal, heal certain people because uh, nobody wants somebody to be sick. And Jesus was a man of compassion, uh, not just a man. He was a God of compassion, praise the Lord. And, and he had compassion on them. He didn't come to heal them, but he healed them while he was here. All those that came to him and, and asked for healing, guess what? He healed them. And, and, and guess what? He still does the same thing. Today, if we come to him and, and look, seeking spiritual healing, guess what? He will heal you. He will save you from your sin. Uh, the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, but, so we have a God who loved us. We have a God who, who, was, who was working and performing miracles. And, and many of the first miracles were, were done so that everybody would know that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, there, were, there were signs and wonders that, perform, that were performed so that, so that people would know that what he was saying and who he was was not like everybody else. There were a lot of teachers back in that, those days. There were a lot of people, people that, that, men that people followed, but Jesus was different than, than they were. And, and those miracles were done for that purpose. Uh, the miracle of the water and the wine. I always wonder, why would Jesus turn water into wine at a, at a, at a party, at, at a feast, a wedding? And, and it says at the very end of it, if I read, read and I did read it all the way through, but it never connected for a long time, it says that he did that so that his disciples would believe. There were those who were following, and, and he, they needed to see the power of God. Now, uh, Jesus has already performed other miracles. Uh, they have seen, uh, he, they have seen uh, him cast out demons. They have seen him in previous chapters here in Luke, that he has raised someone from the dead. They, they have seen him do all kinds of wondrous works. So, so what's different about this? Because Jesus didn't do anything for, just for no reason. It's not recorded just so that there's a, a, a lesson there or he didn't need to be redundant. So why did he, other than the fact that we're very thick-headed sometimes, <laughs> but why did he do that? Well, there's a difference here in this, in this chapter. There's a change that's taking place in Jesus' ministry, and we see it in the very beginning of the chapter. If you look with me, if you would, go back just several verses to, to verse, uh, verse 9 and 10. Now, Jesus, just previous to this, began to teach a, a parable, one that many of us know, the parable of the sower, uh, uh, who went forth to sow. In verse 9, the disciples asked him a question. It says, and his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? Notice what he says in verse 10. And he said unto, unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. See, many of the things when Jesus first began to teach, he began to teach that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, it was a message for everybody, and there were those that began to follow him, because they believed the message, and those that began to follow him 
Jesus was calling them to something more. We see that later on here at the verse, uh, verse 18. He goes on to talk to them about the parable that he had just explained. And verse, verse 16 says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Now notice what he says, Take heed therefore how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Uh, it's important for us to understand that, that when we get saved, that, that we were to follow Christ, but God doesn't save us, Jesus doesn't save us, just so that we have a ticket to heaven. There are a lot of people that, out there that they, they think that that's what salvation is. That it's just, it's a, it's a get out of hell free card. And I can go and do my life and live my life however I want, however I see fit, however I feel it should be led. That's how I'm, I can live my life because now I'm free. Now, salvation is free. Amen. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, uh, uh, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, notice gift is, of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Lord. We're, our salvation is free, but it is not so that we just get out of hell. It is not a, a, the golden ticket that gets us to heaven. While those are benefits of our salvation, the real benefit of salvation is the new nature that God puts inside of, e inside of each one of us. As we become Christians, uh, that old man has passed away, and behold, all things become new. And listen, it, it, he has called you, uh, he's called all people unto him. The Bible says that he would have all men come unto him and, and to, to, know, uh, to know the truth of salvation. His desire is that everybody gets saved. He is not up there picking and choosing thing. I think I'll take Frank, but I'm not going to take uh, I'm not going to take Dan, right? That's not what he's doing. He, his desire is that all men would come unto him in his foreknowledge, his 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 omniscience, uh, his 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 knowledge of all things. He knew ahead of time before you were ever born, before he ever created the world, that you would be here, and that if you're saved, that you are that you would be saved. But he did not pick you. He did predestined those to be, that are saved to then live according to good works. But he did not choose you. His desire is that all men would come unto him. And, and then he preached that, 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 that message to many, but there were some that followed him. And he had a greater message that he was trying to teach them. There were more lessons that he wanted to teach them. And so here we see in, in, in chapter 18, he says, he says, he says, or sorry, chapter 8, verse 18, says, take heed therefore how ye hear. Make sure you're listening to what I'm saying here and teaching here. Because he goes, you have an opportunity to move forward from where you're at to, 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 to walk closer to me than anybody else. He sat down. Who's he talking to here? His disciples. Now, there were many people he, that heard the, the message of, uh, of the parable of, uh, of, the, uh, of the, 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 the sower and the seed. But who did he explain it to? His disciples. He had something for them, something more for them. Why? Because they were following him. There were many people that followed Jesus from afar. They, 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 they say they're Christians, and they, they, they'll, they'll even go to church, but that's as far as their salvation will take them. Real salvation doesn't just take you to church. Real salvation changes your life. You're born again. It changes who you are. It changes your heart. It 
changes your mind. Not just the outward, but the inward. Because you can change the outward, can't we? You can, you can change, you can, you can go to AA and stop drinking. Is it, uh, I almost said AAA. <laughs> it's AA where you're going to stop drinking. Right? You, you, you can go to Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous and you, you can go to rehab and quit doing drugs. Right? You can turn over the leaf and change your life the way you live it. But we can't change what's inside. What's inside only God can change. And he does that through that new birth that Jesus told Nicodemus about in John chapter 3. So here these men, uh, they've been called to follow him. They are following him. They, 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 they are his disciples. He is teaching them, and, and he has something more for them to learn. Now, the lesson that he's going to teach them here is, is, is faith, and, and we'll get into it in a, in, a, in a moment. But I want you to understand, if God is, if you are saved here today, that God is calling you to more. More what? More than what you're at. We are to grow. Uh, Paul says in Corinthians that, uh, that we start out as newborn babes, sincerely desiring the milk of the word. But listen, we're not supposed to stay as newborn babes, are we? No, we're supposed to grow in the word. We're supposed to grow in, in our life. We're supposed to uh, and not, not evolve, but mature to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, we, we, we did a study on Ephesians chapter 2 here not too long ago, verse by verse. It took us months to get through Ephesians, right? Actually, it took us all year to get through Ephesians. It's, it's a wonderful book. But it starts out in chapter, chapter 2, it says, Ye who are dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, who was rich in mercy, verse 4, that he saved us. And then it goes on through it, talking about how the, talks about the doctrine of how he changes our life. And cha- that, that inward change becomes an outward change. So that ultimately we become, according to verse chapter 1, the praise to his glory. That our life brings honor and glory to him. God's calling you to more. First thing I notice in this passage in our, in our text today is the Savior's call. We see it there in verse 22. It says, now it came to pass on a certain day. Now, stop there for just a minute. This isn't one of my, one of my notes, but I'm going to say, mention it anyways. It's a, it's a certain day. There are no extra words in the Bible. Nothing thrown in there just for filler. When I used to write papers as a kid, uh, uh, it was very, 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 I, you know, if you had to have 500 words, I made sure I hit those 500 words and I used filler things to do it. Jesus didn't do that. God didn't need to do that. So every word means something here. It says, this is there. It says, now it came to pass on a certain day. It was a specific day. It was a day that God had chosen for this to take place. It didn't just happen on that day. It was God's plan all along. And I want you to understand something today. No matter what's going on in your life, it is God's plan for your life. Whether it's good or it's bad, it is God's plan for your life. God is sovereign and God is in control. And yes, we have free will and how we respond in, in, in everything. But I want you to know if something happened in your life, God directed it to happen. God allowed it to happen. And as we're going to see here, listen, we all go through difficult times. We all go, man, sometimes it seems like we can't ever get up after being knocked down because every time we try to get up, we get knocked down again. It's like one thing after another after another, and you might say, why, God? I'll be, I'll be honest, I can't give you the answer as to why. 
But let me just put this thought out there. God has a lesson for you to learn. God has a lesson for you to learn. There's a reason that on this certain day, he called his disciples apart from everybody else and says, let us go. On this certain day. Why? Because he knew exactly what was going to happen. None of this was, was by accident. This storm, that, this, this raging wind that blew up, uh, that, that began to rock the boat and began to fill the boat with water, it wasn't by accident. Who controls the winds and the waves? We see at the end that Jesus does. It wasn't, by, it wasn't by accident. It was planned by God for a purpose. We see the response of the disciples. It was a time of testing, a time of trying for them, a proving time. Now listen, God knew what they were going to do. He knew how they were going to respond. He knew that they would be fearful. He knew that they would be upset that he was sleeping. He knew all of these things. This miracle was recorded in several of the Gospels, and, and there was different responses from different men. At the, uh, but I want you to understand, they, they all were fearful, and they were all were upset. We get that way, too. <laughs> but the truth is, they forgot something. They forgot that who was in the boat with them. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how many times you've struggled, no matter how many times you've thought nobody else understands, I want you to know God understands. God sees you. God knows where you are. In fact, he's put you there. So we need to keep our ears open to hear what he has for us to learn. Sometimes we wonder, why aren't we out of this, this storm yet? Maybe it's because we haven't learned what we're supposed to learn yet. James says this, the trying of our faith worketh patience. We're, not, we, we're always told, don't pray for patience because God will give it to you. I don't, I've, I've heard that since I was a kid. I heard that not too long ago. Don't you think God wants best, what's best for us? Those trials in our life are to work something in us. We see the, the call of the master. He says on that certain day, verse 22, now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. Notice Jesus is right there with them. And he said unto them, let us go unto the other side of the lake. The Savior's call. First I want you to notice that he said to them, this call was from the master. This call was from, from their Lord and Master, the one that they were following. He, he, uh, he, they, were, they heard from directly from his lips, let us go. There are a lot of people out there that are calling us to different things. Man, the world is calling us out of church. The world is calling us away from each other. Man, they're trying to divide and to conquer. And when I say the world, I don't mean the people in the world. I'm talking about the, the one who is in control of this world. The Bible says that Satan is the, the, is the prince uh, and the power of the air. He has dominion in this world. Now, we know that he can't do anything without God giving him permission. Uh, the book of Job teaches us that. We, we understand that, 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 that he has to seek permission from God to touch every single one of us. But, but God allows certain things to happen in our lives for certain reasons. And this call was from Jesus who said, Go, get in the boat, and let us go over to the other shore. 
It was a, a call from the master. It wasn't a call from, from their friends. It wasn't a call from their family. It wasn't a call to, 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 to go and do this, uh, even amongst themselves, where they came up with their own idea. It was a call from God. Listen, God has a call on your life. The first call God gives every single person is to, to come unto me for salvation. Not me, but Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor, and I will give you rest. He told the disciples, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, he had a desire to, 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 to call them to salvation, and many came to him. But then he called them to something more, did he not? Out of those that followed him, he called the 12 disciples to, to be closer unto him, to learn from him, and, and they followed him. He called them unto more. He sent the 70 out, uh, uh, the 70 that were following, he sent them out to go and to teach and to preach the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven. And then they went out and did that. But even out of that 70, there was 12 that was closer. He, he called them to more. If you remember, he, he called, uh, there, were, there were the 12, then there were three that were even closer to, to Jesus than everybody else. You had Peter, James, and John who, who went with them to the Garden of Gethsemane, closer than everybody, anybody else went. They went to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw Jesus in his glorified body when nobody else did. Listen, there were some that were called to more. I want you to know that God is calling you to more, not just to be saved, but to draw closer unto him, to know more of him, and maybe to do more for him. See, God calls us all to know him. The closer we are to God, the more that we know him. And listen, the only way to get closer to the Lord is through prayer and through the study of the word of God. That's how we, we come to know God. God reveals himself, to, reveals himself to us through the word of God. There are a lot of people who say, well, my God doesn't do this. Well, then you're not, your God then obviously isn't the God of the Bible because we don't get to tell God who he is and what he does. God tells us. He reveals himself to us in the word of God. Uh, and so we can know God, but then we're also to serve God. These disciples were to go and to, 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 to do and to, they, to, to go across this, 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 this lake, uh, the Lake Gennesaret, I believe it's, it's pronounced. Uh, they're to do that. They're, they're to go there to, to be, with, be with Christ. They're to serve him. God's calling us all to know him more. God's calling us all to serve him more. So well, how much is enough? It's never enough. Whatsoever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything in our life is to be about God. You're just a, a Bible-thumping, religious, uh, you want everybody just to love God and serve him with everything? that Yes. Because that's what God wants of us. God doesn't want half-hearted, lackadaisical, go-to-church-when-you-wanna kind of Christians. He wants us to be those who love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Not with part of our heart, soul, and mind. All of it. We're not to be double-minded. Uh, uh, this afternoon we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, uh, the the, uh, the uh, next verse uh, in the, the Beatitudes. Uh, uh, the word, uh, blessed are they that are pure in heart. It's, it's, uh, it's this idea that, uh, not that we're perfect or righteous, uh, that, but it's that idea of, of, uh, of integrity. Of, uh, we're we're one-minded, one-hearted. Not divided. And too many Christians today are divided. They've got one foot in the world and one foot pointed towards the Lord. And that doesn't get to do anything but make you top heavy. You can't sit on the fence, you've got to pick a side. There's a call from the master. It says, He said unto them, 
It's a call to the minority. Again, back to verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, let us. Well, who were his disciples? Those 12. It wasn't the 70. It wasn't the thousands that had just been there. It wasn't those that he had been teaching the, the parable of all of, the, all of the, that had heard the parable. It was just the 12 that he had spoken to. It was a minority. Listen, God's calling his people. If you're saved, you're one of his. His call isn't just, it's not a general call, it's an individual call. See, when, when there's a general call, you know what happens? When, when somebody asks some, something of, of a general group, you know what happens? Everybody waits for somebody else to do it. I was a paramedic for firefighter and firefighter for 17 years. And when we used to teach CPR, one of the things we would teach when we, when we taught CPR is you teach the person who's, who's, uh, who knows CPR. When they get there, they check the pulse, they check the respirations. And when they, they, when they realize that there aren't any, they look up at somebody and you point at somebody. And you'd be like, Frank, go call 911. Do you know why? Because you'll look up and say, somebody call 911. And everybody else will stand there. And not do anything. Because somebody else will call 911, not me. Listen, God's call for us is not a general call to everybody to follow me. He is calling you. He's calling you. He's calling every single one of us to follow him. To know him better. To serve him. To go with him maybe through some difficult times. But he is calling you. Not only is it a call to the minority, but it's a call for movement. He says, let us go. Verse 22. It came to pass a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, let us go over onto the other side of the lake. He's not calling us to stay here, to stay the same. He's calling us to movement. He's calling us to, to go into the world. He told the disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That wasn't just for the 12, it's for us too. Now, that's a general call for every Christian, but an individual call because it's for every Christian. And, but I want you to understand that, that it's not just, that's not the only call. Sometimes there's a specific direction for each one of us. Listen, God didn't say generally I need people to preach. And, and then I said, you know what, I'll do it. I'm good enough, I'll do it. No, I'm not good enough and I can't do it. But, but God spoke to my heart directly about what I was to do with my life. God will do the same thing for you. Listen, not everybody gets, is, is called to be a pastor, but everybody is called to serve somewhere. Every, everybody is called to fill a position, to be a part of the body of Christ that you serve and you, you be, a, be a part of what God has called you to do. Otherwise, we all look around and wait for somebody else to do it. We're having the help ministries come, come to, uh, to our church here on the 10th. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, they've been a blessing every year that they come. I mean, what those men do, uh, if, if you don't, for those that don't know, help ministries is a, it's a ministry that helps pastors, national pastors in countries all over the world. Uh, uh, as they, they've already been pastoring and starting churches, they help them so that they don't have to try to also work a job and pastor 10 churches. Because many of those pastors pastor 10 churches. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, 
the ones that we picked up two years ago. He travels up the, or three years ago, pe- travels up the Amazon on a boat and start, is starting churches in all the villages along the Amazon River. And, uh, amazing things what God is doing with, with those men. God has called them to do that. God may not have called you to go up the Amazon. Brother Frank, I think you'd burn under the sun. <laughs> but God's called you to something, Brother Frank. God's called each and every one of us to something. It's a call to, to serve him. It's a call to, to go and to do uh, whatever his direction is for your life. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you what God's calling you to do. I am not the Holy Spirit of God. You're not to be pastor called. You're to be God called. Your, but your ears need to, your spiritual ears need to be sensitive to hear what God is calling you to do. Because we can be deaf and we can be dumb. And some of us are both. We only hear, how many of you wives have husbands that have selective hearing? Honey, you don't need to lift up your hand. <laughs> we only, listen, how many husbands, how many wives have selective hearing? Yeah, it goes both ways. It goes, it goes both ways. Why? Because we, we, sometimes we only hear what we want to hear. But listen, sometimes God gives us messages. God calls us to do something that we don't really want to do. But if we're sensitive to the the moving of the Holy Spirit, we're sensitive to the word of God, when God calls us, we'll have the same response the disciples did. We see the first, the the Savior's call. Secondly, the servant's commitment. The last phrase of the verse 22 says this. It says, and they launched forth. Jesus said, let's go. Let us go over to the other side. They didn't say, why are we going to the other side, Lord? What, what reason or purpose do we have to go over there? The, the side of the lake is, uh, is just fine. Look at all the people that we can minister to. Look, look at what we can do right here, Lord. Why would we go over there? I want you to understand, when they got to the other side, they didn't have a great ministry and, 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 and see, see thousands of thousands of people saved over there. They saw one man come to Christ, the wild man at Gadara. They, went, they, spent, they spent, it was like 24 hours at the time to get across and back and, and all the things that went on, to, to get across and do that for one man. They didn't say, Lord, why? We heard there's some crazy guy over there. Why would we want to go over there? They just got in the boat. Jesus said, let's go. They said, okay. There were no details given. When the Spirit moved Philip to go into the middle of nowhere, to leave Samaria and the, the, the revival and the salvations that were taking place there as he, as he preached the word in Samaria, and, and, and the Spirit said, go to the desert, he didn't say, why, Lord? Why should I leave this place? I mean, I would have some le- legitimate concerns as to why you want me to leave a place where God is working, obviously, and moving, and people are getting saved to go out where there ain't nobody out there. Why would I do that? Because the Spirit told him to. He didn't, he didn't give him any details. In fact, he didn't tell him exactly where he was supposed to go. He just said, go there into the middle of the desert and led him to a specific, a specific place uh, that, that uh, just happened, because nothing just happens, uh, just happened to cross paths with a man who was riding a chariot from Jerusalem. And he came to that place in the, in the middle of nowhere at just the right time. I wonder how that happened. Because one was walking and one was in a chariot. And if you're going to figure out how the logistics of all that, you're going to fail every single time. But God knew exactly when to send Philip and exactly what time he was going to get there. And he got there just in time for God to, for God to say, see that guy over there in the chariot? Run over there and catch up to him. 
And he did. And what did he find? He found the Ethiopian eunuch as he was trying to read Isaiah chapter 53. And he didn't understand a word of what he was, uh, of what he was reading. And, 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 and he said, what? He was, can, can you explain this? Well, of course he can. And he taught, preached unto him Jesus. And that man got saved. See, why would God do that? Because there was a Phil, uh, an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, that, I almost said Philadelphian eunuch. An Ethiopian eunuch that, that, that needed Christ. And what if, what if Philip had questioned? What if Philip had said, I, I need to know more before I do anything? It never would have happened. Maybe God would have sent somebody else. God doesn't always give us the details. But he does tell us to go. If God tells us to, tells us to go, just go. Don't pressure him or push him to, for, for the details of what God's calling for you to do. Just follow him. So not only were there no details given, there was no delay in going either. He, and they didn't say, you know what, I've got this I've got to do first, and this I've got to do first, and, and once I'm done with this, then I'll go. They just got in the boat and went. But there are a lot of Christians that say, well, I'll serve God once I'm finished with this, and once I'm finished with this, maybe once I retire, maybe once this takes place, or once this opens up, and I've got more free time, maybe that's when I'll serve God. God doesn't say serve God on your, on your time. He says do it on my time. Do it on his time. It's not for us to delay God's call. Because if we delay God's call, God's call might pass on. See, if they sat in that boat, don't you think Jesus would, or if they refused to get in the boat, don't you think Jesus might have gone across anyways? Because there was still a man on the other side that needed Christ. There was no delay in going, and honestly, there was no decision but to go. They didn't sit there and think, well, should I go or should I not go? He's our Lord and Master. He said, let us go, and they went. There should not be any question if God is calling you into anything. There should be no question in your life. Should I do it or should I not do it? Now we can sometimes. We, the Bible says to try the spirits. If uh, that if if God if if uh, there's something in our life that we think the spirit of God is called, the word to try the spirits. We try it through the word of God. We can we, we, we try it through the word of God and reading and studying. We try it through prayer. We try it by 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 a multitude of counselors, good godly counselors, uh, and and God can give us direction in those ways. But let me, God will confirm those things for us. When God called me to preach, uh, I, I'd been teasing my wife for a year or more about how when I was 16, God had, I believe God had called me to the mission field and God could call us into the ministry. And her response was always, absolutely not. I will not, she didn't want to leave a life of, not that we were wealthy, but we were doing fine. And, and she didn't want to, she thought that at that point in time, she thought that ministry meant malnourishment, I guess. I don't know. But when God spoke to my heart, and I wrestled with that, with, that, uh, with that spirit speaking to me all the way down to Boston and all the way back, and finally the next, I said, okay, Lord, and I went home, and I, I was terrified to tell my wife, not because I thought she might beat me, I thought she might leave me. No, I don't believe that either. Uh, uh, but I didn't know how she was going to take it. And I said, honey, we've got to talk. And we sat down, and I told her what the Lord God had, had spoke to my heart about. And instead of saying, no way, like she had every other time when I was joking about it, the Spirit of God had already prepared her heart 
And she said, whatever God leads us to do, let's do it. Who are you and what have you done with my wife? And I came in and I told Pastor Williams. And Pastor Williams said, I wondered how long it's going to take you to figure it out. I've known him for a long time. Why didn't you tell me? Because he didn't want me to be pastor called. He wanted me to be spirit called. See, God will confirm those things. But when one, that's, there's a difference between confirming and, and trying the spirit and deciding whether or not we're going to do what God wants us to do. There should be no, no decision but to be obedient. If he is your Lord and master, that means he's your master. It means he's the boss. Our life isn't about us anymore. As children of God, we are a purchased possession. We were bought with a price, the price of his own blood. Because of what he did for us, we should, be, we should then give our lives for him. We see the Savior's call and the servant's commitment. Notice what comes up next, the stormy crisis. The stormy crisis, verse 23, says this. It says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Notice first this, uh, this storm struck obedient ones. They were right where they were supposed to be. Jesus said, get in the boat, let's go. They got in the boat and they went. They weren't out of the will of God. They weren't in sin. They weren't doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. They were right where they were supposed to be. And listen, just because there are difficult things in your life does not mean that God's judgment is upon you. There was a reason and a purpose for this storm in their life. There is a reason and a purpose for the storm in yours. If, God, if you are following the call of God, trying to know him, your life has not been promised to be easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. I think it's going to be easy for us. The world hated him as the world's going to hate us. He was persecuted. We'll be persecuted. Now, we're not really persecuted in today's day and age as far as, as, far as our country's concerned, but that's changing more and more. And in other countries, they're already persecuted. But we're not talking about spiritual persecution. This was a storm. Storms come up. Things happen in our lives. People get sick, do they not? Doctors say, I'm sorry, you've got cancer. Heart disease, diabetes. And some of those things are, are affected by the choices that we make. But listen, God allows things to happen in our lives. Maybe, maybe it's a, some, uh, some autoimmune disorder. Uh, diseases take place. Good for good people and bad. I know many pastors, many preachers that got sick with the coronavirus. One of, one of my favorite preachers, uh, he, he got sick with the coronavirus, and, and man, it, it totally destroyed his body. He didn't die. He was in the hospital for seven months. Most of that time spent in the ICU. When he finally got, when he finally got home, uh, we, we, my wife and I saw him last year. Uh, when the first time we saw him preach in person, man, he was, a, he was a powerful preacher. This loud, booming voice and couldn't even stand to preach. He sat in a chair and he preached like this. I 
he couldn't get his breath out. See, why does God let that happen to his own men? A man of God who loves him and is serving and giving his life for him. Why? I don't know. But there was something for him to learn. Sometimes the storms happen, even to those obedient ones. Now listen, it will happen to you too. Those storms will happen to you too. There are people here today that are going through very difficult times. And we can't understand the difficulties that they're going through because we're not in their shoes. But I want you to understand that, 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 man, it can be overwhelming at times. It can be crushing at times. The storm in crisis struck the obedient ones. It also was seen by others. Now, I don't know how long they were out on the water before the storm hit, but everybody that watched them get in the boat and watched the wind kick up and watched those waves, and they maybe not could have, maybe not have been able to see the boat out where it was, but I bet you they were glad they weren't in it. Right? You ever, you ever see a boat uh, in, uh, in, in d- uh, deep waters that the waves are, are pouring over the sides? kind of scary. Years ago, 10, 10, 11 years ago now, my wife and I went down to, and, and got in a boat. I thought it would be romantic to rent. Uh, this is before the college of minute. This is before. I was still working in the fire department. And uh, uh, before, we, uh, before we had Elijah, so 11, 11 12 years ago. And uh, we were down there, and I thought it would be romantic if I rented a, a boat. We went out onto the ocean to see the sunset. It was a small boat. I didn't make that much money. I wish I could have rented a bigger boat. Once we hit the waves, got past the, the, the break of the waves, man, that thing was crashing up and down and up and down. My wife was like, please go back. There was no romantic sunset. It was nausea and fear. <laughs> now, the, the driver said, hey, we're okay. We'll be fine. We did not feel that way. <laughs> Anybody that would see us would have seen it from the shore would have been fearful, or at least glad they weren't there. There are people that are watching you going through the struggles and trials in your life. They're they're looking at you and thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not in that boat. But how we respond in that moment and in those times, and what a testimony it can be to those that are around us. I can remember those who, who have passed on now in, in, those, in those final days and, and, and seeing the testimony that they have made in the lives. I think of Stony, Stony Dart. Uh, many of you uh, know that he used to cut, him and his family used to come through here and sing every, every year. Uh, they traveled the country and sang. And uh, he battled cancer for the last few years of his life and, and died as a young man. But I can remember the, the, the testimony and the, the video of him singing to the nurses at the, at the hospital uh, when they found out that he used to be a singer. Hair all gone, face bloated because of the, the chemo and the things that were going on in his body. As he sang the song his dad wrote, the, God, the mountain is the God of the valley. What a testimony it was, not just to, to me, you got to see that video, but to those unsaved nurses, they, they got to see what the work of God can do in a man who is sick and dying of cancer. That he still had faith and trusted in God who loved him. He still had hope for the future. People are looking at you. 
People are, there are people that are saved that are watching you, and they want to, and what you do in this situation will strengthen and encourage them. There are those that are watching you that are lost. They're looking at you, and then they're going to see how you respond. And what they should see is the glory to the should be to the glory of God. We are seen by others. And lastly, with the stormy crisis, they were seemingly overwhelmed. Look back at verse twenty-three. It says, "As they sailed, he fell asleep." Before I go any further, mention this. I do want to say this: he fell asleep. He was there with them. He knew what was going to take place, but he fell asleep. Just a thought. There are times when we feel like Jesus is sleeping in our life or God is sleeping in our life. But he knows what's going on. Don't ever think that God is not aware that God has forgotten you. Back to the point, sorry. It says, verse 23, But they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. What that, what that tells me is the, the wind had kicked up the waves so much that the waves were crashing over the sides of the boat and filling the boat with water. Which means the boat's getting lower and lower, and there's more water coming in and more water coming in. And it says, and they were in jeopardy. I love this thought because... They thought they were in jeopardy, right? Now, we have the benefit of reading the whole story. We know what happens. We, we know that Jesus had planned this all along. We know that, that Jesus was going to stand up and say, say, peace be still, and the winds and the waves were going to obey him. We know that, and they will all be saved and all be amazed. But they didn't. As far as they were concerned, they were going to die. It's a perception thing, right? Our, our hindsight is always twenty twenty. We can look back and, 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 and through the word of God know what's going to happen and say, how could they be afraid? They were there with Jesus. You're not in the boat. You're not in the boat. Now, we can look at other people and say, I don't understand how that person can be wondering what God's going to do in their life, why they're so afraid. They just need to have faith. You're not in their boat. You're not in their boat. You don't know what they're struggling with the weight that's on their shoulders. Now, God does, and we know that in mind, but listen, our, we would have the same response they do. They're afraid. But all this was for a purpose. They were seemingly overwhelmed. We know that as long as they, they, they God wants them to get across that, that, that lake, they're going to get across that lake. He could have snapped his fingers, and they'd have been on the other side. The storm would have kept going on. He could have done it a million different ways, uh, in a million other ways that we never even think of, because he's God. But I want you to understand this. Uh, he was in control, but they didn't know that. It didn't feel that way to them. They had seen him perform miracles. They had seen him, his power over disease and his power over, uh, his power over death. They'd seen his power over nature. Uh, uh, they'd seen him turn water into wine. They'd seen him do all kinds of different things. But in that moment, they were afraid. As Christians, we, we see God do works in our life. And, and we'll look back at the, at the, at the, in the Old Testament and say, how could those, those dumb, lazy Israelites fear, fear, be fearful and want to go back to Egypt when they saw God bring them across the dry ground? Because they were thirsty. And if you get thirsty, you might have the same response. In fact, how many times do we do the same thing? 
we complain about the situation that we're in. Why does God have, me, have it like this? Why, why does not God just take me out of the situation? Why does God not just do this or do that? You're not God, and I'm not God. I don't know why. Maybe I just need to listen and to learn what he has for me. My wife broke her back, broke her, her sacrum and her, and, and her coccyx. That's, that's the other bone. Five weeks ago. We were getting ready. I mean, we've been planning this vacation for, for six months. And the closer we got, and the closer we got, the more excited we got. And then she fell, and I said, why, God? I still don't know why. Maybe the lesson isn't for me. Honestly, maybe it isn't even for her. But I do know this. God had a reason and a purpose. And as dark as those times got for my wife when she couldn't get up off the ground and she couldn't roll over without help, she was only seemingly overwhelmed. Because God's there. And and let me me also say this. We don't always, we aren't always brought out of the fire. We're not always brought out of the fire. Remember, uh, remember uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Uh, they were told to bow down before that idol. And, and uh, he, said, he said, bow down or, or I'm going to cast you into the, uh, into the fiery furnace. What was their response? The Lord God can save us from that fire. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. See, God doesn't always bring us out of whatever trial we're going through. Doesn't mean we shouldn't trust him. We still need to be faithful. Hebrews 11 tells us of all the great, wonderful acts that were done by those men of faith, but there's also a small section of it says those that were sawn asunder, those that were chased, those that were eaten alive by animals. Listen, they still had faith. And their faith remained, even though they went through and those things ended their lives. They, the Bible says, the world was not worthy of them. I don't know if you're going to come out of the situation you're in. Sometimes that, that word cancer, while God heals it, other times God doesn't. Don't know the reason. Sometimes God, that job that you lost, God will replace it with a better job. And sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes God gives you that thing that you're begging him to do, and other times God says, my grace will be sufficient. I don't have the mind of God to tell you what God's going to tell you or why he does or doesn't do something. But his ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is the God of wisdom, and he is the God of love. He's also a God of judgment, and I understand that. I'm not trying, but I want you to understand, if God does something, he does it because it's in our best interest. He loves you. Loves you so much, he sent his son to die on the cross in your place. They were seemingly overwhelmed. I do want to say this before we jump to the next, the next is only seemingly only seemingly overwhelmed is the, the perception. They thought they were overwhelmed, but they were exactly where Jesus wanted them to be. 
Notice next the supernatural comfort. We're coming nearer to the end. I'm not making promises anymore. We're coming nearer to the end. Maybe we're past the midpoint and maybe a little farther. The supernatural comfort. What happens here? Well, uh, let's look at verse uh, 24. It says, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. The supernatural comfort. Now, if you remember, who got onto the boat with him? Jesus did. And he quickly went to sleep before the winds and the waves happened. But Jesus was in the boat. They seem to have forgotten that. There are some things here that they seem to have forgotten. And the first one is, was his direct presence. He didn't tell them to go out and he was going to meet them on the other side. Uh, he, he was right there with them through the whole thing. Uh, he was, yes, asleep, but he was aware because he's God. Jesus says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Peter, being called to Jesus, stepped out of a boat. But when he saw the winds and the waves outside of the boat, he forgot about Jesus and he began to sing. It's important for us to understand that God's presence is with us in the midst of the storm. He hasn't left you. It may, it may appear like he has, but he has not left you. Job says this, I looked to the left and he wasn't there. I looked to the right and he wasn't there. He, he looked at all the places. Or he, he looked ahead and he wasn't there. But he says, but I know that he knoweth the steps that I take. He sees us. He knows right where we are. No matter what the situation is, you are not alone. If you are his child, he dwells inside of you. He is with you. They forgot his direct presence. They forgot his declared promise. What declared promise? He said, let us go to the other side. He said, we're going to go to the other side. They get out in the middle of the lake and they see the winds and the waves and they get some water in the boat and they get scared. Now we all do the same thing. We all get worried sometimes, especially in those when it, when it seems like we're going to perish and, and they, they, they got fearful, but they forgot. He said, we're going to go over there. Guess what? He keeps his word. Because guess what? When the winds and the waves stopped, where did they go? To the other side. He had a purpose for them to go to the other side. He had something to accomplish on the other side. He was not done with them. Now listen, there are a lot of people that read a lot of self-help books. There are a lot of people that they, they, they get their, their, their strength from their friends and on Facebook and their friends on social media, the people that they, that they spend time with. But guess what? That, that strength will run out. It isn't good enough. Uh, you can't really hang upon the promises of, of men. Because guess what? Men will fail you. But you know what never fails? God's word. You can stand upon the promises of this word every day of your life. You are to base your life upon the teachings of, of this book and every day of your life. And you can stand and you can stand strong and you can stand tall with your feet, with your feet ground firmly into the dirt and never move. Why? Because this book will never fail you. It will never fail you. Sometimes we forget the promises, though. We forget what Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We forget that he said, my grace will be sufficient. We forget those things, that, that, that all things work together for good. And say, oh, that's just a phrase. No, it's a promise in the word of God. 
And yes, you may, you may hear it cast around uh, so many times by people uh, on, 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 on Facebook or, or maybe when you're going through a hard time and, and they're not really, but it's the word of God, it's a promise and we can trust it. Now we, we have to trust it and understand the context of it. It's all things work together to, for them to love God and are called according to his purpose. That's when it, all things work together. But his word will never fail us. They forgot his promise. They forgot his divine power. They had just seen him perform miracle after miracle. They, they have seen him, uh, seen all that he has already done, and they forgot that he, who he was and the power that he had. He had authority over creation. <laughs> now, I was just on the beach with my wife for a week, and it was windy. How foolish do you think people would have been if I would have walked down to the wind, to the beach, and said, Wind! My wife does not like you. Stop. You're all laughing at me. So what of everybody else on the beach? We, we, the first day we were there, we walked down to the beach, and, and you, you know how her, her back's hurting. I had to help her down through the sand, and, 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 uh, and we wanted to dip her toes in the water, and then we wanted to go a little bit farther because it's the Caribbean Ocean, and it's nice. And, and So we got a little bit farther out and a little bit farther out, and... and so we got to about waist deep, and one of those waves came, and there we had some big waves. And one of those waves hit her, and, man, it hurt her back, and we had to go back. How foolish of me would it have been to be like, waves cease! Ridiculous. I could have yelled all day long, and the waves would have come and come and come. I, they would have never have stopped. People would have laughed. There have been uh, viral videos uh, going all over, all over Facebook because of some crazy guy down there telling the winds and the waves to stop. You know why? Because I have no authority over the winds and the waves. Right? Jesus does. See, he created them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible goes, the Bible goes on to tell us, John tells us that, that all things were created by him. Colossians tells us that, that all things consist by him. Those winds that, 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 that move, it's because of Christ. The, the, the waves say, oh, there's scientific explanation. Yes, I understand, but who, who created all those things? Jesus. So should it be a surprise to us that when Jesus said, peace, be still, it listened? No. He had authority. Notice also the amazement of the children of those those disciples. Man, they were amazed. It says, "Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him?" They were amazed at the power of God, just like we're amazed at the power of God as He works in our lives. They had forgotten His divine power, and many times. We forget his divine power too. We see some problem in our life and we see it as too big for us to deal with. And guess what? It is. But there is nothing that is too big for God to deal with. There is no problem that we will ever face that God says, you know what? That just seems like a bit much for me. You're on your own, bud. He doesn't do it. Now there are times when, when we have to go through it, but he says, I'll be with you. His divine power. Brings us to the last verse, verse 25. 
says, and he said to them, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? Where is your faith? This lesson that he was trying to teach them was to trust in him. Now, it wasn't over here. Throughout the rest of this chapter, we, in fact, we preached on the, two of these miracles not too long ago, but uh, he performed four specific miracles in this, and each one showed his divine power. First, uh, there was here where he had power over the deep, and then uh, as he goes over to the, the, the wild man of Gadara, and he had power over the demons. And man, uh, what, what amazing power. It wasn't that he just sat and listened. Man, he cast those demons out. Uh, uh, he, he was a wild man that was running around naked, and, and, and they couldn't even, the chains uh, couldn't bind him. Uh, he was uncontrollable. But at the feet of Jesus, he was in his right mind and he was clothed why because jesus had power over those demons he had power over disease we see in verse 43 of this chapter that uh, the woman with the issue of blood who had spent all of her money and gone to all the different doctors and nobody could heal her and all she did was touch the hem of his garment and she was healed the bible says the, the virtue the power went out of him and, and she was healed immediately he didn't have to do anything see at the end of the chapter, verse 49, Jairus' daughter, who passed away, he had power over death. He was trying to teach the disciples to have faith because of who he was. Later on in the book of Luke, they come to the point where he says, he says, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're a prophet. And he goes, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ was revealing to his disciples that they could have faith in him. Whatever you're going through, I want you to understand that you can have faith in Christ. There is no problem in your life that God cannot bring you through. He, not, he may not bring you out of it, but he can bring you through it. There's, there's, there's no person in your life that God cannot reach. There's no sin in your life that God cannot forgive. I want you to understand that he has divine power. And he is calling you to more. He's calling you to trust him more. Faith starts out like a little mustard seed. Right? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It says, without faith, in verse Hebrews, uh, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for we must believe that he is, and a reward of those that diligently seek him. We are to have faith that he can do something, that he can call us somewhere, that he can work. Listen, it wasn't those disciples that saved the man of Gadarenes, the wild man of Gadara. They didn't bind him or untie him. They didn't put clothes on him. Jesus did that. But they were with him. Whatever God's calling us to do as a church. Whatever God is calling you to do, God is not going to have you do it. He's going to do it through you. You're just along for the ride. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Say, well, I don't know what to expect. doesn't matter. It, it, it might be stormy. Does it really matter? Because the wind blows on the land, just like it does on the sea. I'd rather be in the boat with Jesus than to be on the land by myself. Get in the boat. Trust in him. 
open your ears that you can hear. Father, we thank you for this day. God, what do you know the meaning and the purpose for this message, Father? Do you know who specifically who you meant to speak to? Maybe all of us, Lord. God, I pray that your spirit would have your way and that your word would not come back void. I ask that you be glorified, Lord, that our lives would be changed, that we would be challenged, Lord, that we would serve you. Not out of our goodness, Lord, but because of what Jesus did for us. Thank you so much. Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted in Christ, I pray that today would be the day that they would place their faith in what he did on that cross in him. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Heads bowed, nice clothes.